Hey guys, well, we got us just got off a call with one of our favorite people on the planet. His name is Ben Azadi of Keto Camp, and he never fails to bring the the love, the energy, and the he, knowledge, and the knowledge and the wisdom. And as we call them the wordisms. He's able to wordsmith together really important ideas like you got to work on your inner size before your exercise. exercise. Yes, so many little gems in this podcast, and. Really, the biggest takeaway is how much heart this man has and the mission that he's on and how many people he's already impacted and helped with their health. So it's such a beautiful mission to be a part of. And hopefully you guys get a lot of gems out of this like we do. Yeah. And, you know, this is someone who's really just, you know, come from that place of, of purpose and he's helping so many people. I mean, mm-hmm. to see his podcast rise and, you know, he's getting such an incredible amount of uh, accolade for his his sharing and it's we've got millions of followers on his podcast and i mean it's just it's amazing it's amazing to see people rise up and and live their purpose and share from that space of the heart so you're gonna you're gonna hear all that more on this podcast soak it up soak it up yeah welcome to the health ignited podcast with your hosts dr nick and sonia jensen We are partners, parents, business partners, doctors, yoga teachers, and retreat leaders. We promise to bring you real conversations to awaken and ignite your potential to live your best life possible. Join us each week as we dive into topics varying from brain health, biohacking, hormones, and longevity, to relationships, parenting, meditation, and more. Together, creating community and building stronger foundations for the generations to come. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Health Ignited with Dr. Sonia and I. Actually, you and I haven't been able to get on a a podcast with each other for a little while. We've been kind of trading on and off, and uh, I guess that's sort of the value of having a partnership. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, summer kind of throws everything off, so pivoting and adjusting. It does. Does um, we're gonna we're gonna talk all things keto today with one of our favorite uh, friends and experts on the topic. And instead of giving you a long bio, we want to just maybe uh, highlight the importance of understanding our hybrid engine to some degree. And you know, I think that no one speaks better than our man Benazadi, author of Keto Flex. And uh, we're gonna talk to him about all things related to keto. Now, if you haven't checked out our podcast that we did with him on the Doctor Dads. We get into his story and when you hear the passion and you're going to hear the passion that lights up this man and keeps him driving forward towards, you know, a world of health freedom and freedom of that sort of uh, loss of control that I think so many people with regards to their health, right? I just want to bring awareness to his last name, Azadi, means Mm. freedom. So he's been on a mission to create that health freedom for all of us through his education and through his work. So it was like built into him. It, it is. So this is a man who's uh, got millions of people following him from all over the world. You know, he kind of just came up out of the woodwork and just exploded. And it's it's truly coming from that place of uh, deep reverence for the body, but also this mission to really change the health paradigm. So uh, there's so much more to share. Ben Azadi, thank you so much for being here and sharing your truth and being on the call with us today. I'm so grateful to be here with you too. I love both of you. I love what you're doing. And, and you said it, Nick freedom health freedom and i love that sony you remembered my last my last name azadi mean <laughs> it translates to freedom in farsi when you when you were saying that it's interesting i'm like yeah that that's true i knew that but but i never really put it together like health azadi like health freedom like just putting that together that's what we're about freedom of the metabolism freedom of our rights just freedom in general we want health freedom mm-hmm. absolutely and i think that uh you know especially in the world that we're in right now it's so hard to gauge what does that mean? You know, there's there's so much, um, I guess, virtue over doing everything that everybody else is doing and following the narrative and following the, the path of what we're being told is what to do. And when people start to highlight, you know, the, the inconsistencies in their health or the symptoms that don't go away or, you know, the challenges and, and maybe they're talking to their doctor about it, they, they truly feel like they don't have freedom because their body feels a bit like a prison. So what's like, how do you feel like, like, or maybe let's, let's ask this, what do you think is the, the mechanism to awaken people to that control that they actually could have over their body? Mm. Well, you can't escape a prison if you don't know you're in one, right? So first of all, it's awareness. Um, yeah. It's not normal to have symptoms. 
Common, yes, very, very common, but it's not normal. And if we look at the statistics out there, I'll throw up the statistics in the US. I'm sure Canada is very comparable, but at least 60% of Americans are diabetic or pre-diabetic. I would estimate that it's even higher. People are just not testing, so they have no idea. One out of three women are diagnosed with cancer. One out of two men are diagnosed with cancer. Heart disease is off the charts. So if we look at that, we know that something's broken and it's the allopathic conventional medicine approach. And then if we just keep putting our faith into that system, it's like Einstein said, you you can't fix the problem with the same thinking that, that caused the problem. For example, I mean, cancer, we know that cancer is the big C word. So many people are scared of it. A lot of people have lost their lives to it. Somebody listening right now, chances are they know somebody who has died from cancer or maybe currently has cancer. What is the traditional way to treat cancer? It's it's chemotherapy. And when I I actually just spoke two days ago in Orlando, I had a slide that I got from Dr. Aaron Keneally that showed the five-year survival rate of chemotherapy in Australia is 2.3% and in America, 2.1%. I mean, that doesn't work. Uh, A lot of these conventional approaches, it doesn't work. So the first step is acknowledging that we're kind of in a prison uh, and that prison is just not working. But the great thing is that we could actually escape that once we're aware. So for me, I think the conversation, I know both of you do a really brilliant job at discussing this is metabolic health, metabolic flexibility, metabolic freedom. And that's where I personally come in and teach ketosis and intermittent fasting strategies to do so because We're just going back to our ancestral roots. We are giving the innate intelligence what it needs to be able to do the job of the innate intelligence, which is to heal the body. So that's the first step, awareness, and then we can work on removing some of that interference. Why do you think people are stuck in that prison? I know you have your story and you shared that on the Dr. Dad's um, podcast. And so, you know, thinking back to your own personal experience of sometimes we get stuck in these patterns and we get stuck in these habits that maybe they're passed down or whatever it may be. But why do you think sometimes somebody has a challenging time even being aware? Because there's so much information out there. So it's not that the information isn't there and that the knowledge could be acquired, but sometimes there's a block that doesn't allow us to receive that information. So in your experience working with so many people, what do you think that is? So it's a very important question and it's not even just related to health. It's just life in general, people who are stuck. Uh, it's the paradigm, uh, the paradigm, which is a multitude of, of habits that are just on autopilot. We're not even thinking about it anymore. So a lot of people have what I call stinking thinking. Uh, and, I, and I've been saying this a lot. If you're thinking is stinking, your dreams are shrinking. So (laughs) the the average person is thinking about 60,000 thoughts every single day. uh, And it's estimated that about 90% of them are are typically the same thoughts from the day before and the day before. And they're usually negative thoughts because of the programming that we have into this world. What's mainstream media, social media, the government. Uh, It's a lot of negativity out there. And if we've been following that throughout our entire life, especially those first seven years, as you both know, then we are programmed this way. And then we are just on autopilot thinking these thoughts. So we need to disrupt that pattern. And how you do that is just becoming aware of those negative thoughts. And I love it because the greatest power that we have, I believe, as a human being is the ability to change our thoughts. When we have that stinking thinking, we can let that thought pass. And like Dr. Wayne Dyer said, change your thoughts, change your life and choose a better thought. And the better you get at that, it won't happen overnight, But the better you get at closing the gap between the negative thought and a positive thought, the healthier you're going to be, the happier you're going to be, and you're just going to get better results. You're going to start feeding energy to what you want to work for you, which is a universal law. Whether you believe in universal laws or not, like gravity, jump off a balcony, you'll see that gravity actually exists. Same thing with feeding energy to whatever you feed energy to expands. So with the stinking thinking, you're feeding energy to why am I overweight? I'm tired all the time. I'm in debt. Uh, um, XYZ, that's a negative thought and the universe will fulfill and give you more of that negative thought. But when you get better at choosing positive thoughts, loving thoughts, abundant thoughts, the universe, God will fulfill and give you more of that. And the science behind that is the reticular activation system that's in the brain, the RAS. For example, if you wanted to buy a a red Tesla, you're on the internet looking for red Teslas, you're on autotrader.com looking for red Teslas, and you finally go to the dealership and you buy that red Tesla and you're super excited about it, you're driving home from from the dealership, 
and you notice, oh, a red Tesla just drove right by you on the highway. And you thought that's strange. And you just kept, keep driving. You had a red light and then there's a red Tesla right next to you. And you thought that's pretty strange. And then for weeks, you just keep seeing red Teslas everywhere. Now the question is, are, did everybody buy a red Tesla because you bought a red Tesla? Or are you now more aware because you've activated the reticular activation system that there's red Teslas out there? So it's the same thing with your thoughts. When you feed energy to what you want to work for you, now you see obstacles that turn into opportunities, uh, failures that are perceived failures that are now stepping stones, setbacks to get back. So that's the first thing. Really get really good and feed energy to where you want to work, what you want to work for you. Yeah, that's beautiful. Yeah. I mean, you dropped so many teachings there, which mm-hmm. is the power of thought and and just how we're not our thoughts, but we have an opportunity to either, you know, observe them or make decisions based on what they are, are telling us. So um, one of the things I find that that's an obstacle, especially with these thoughts, is that when we haven't activated that hybrid engine, this state of ketosis that you love to teach on is so important, is that when our, it's it's basically like this contraction is a state of inflammation that, that our body is in. It's really hard to actually think anything differently. And so I know that you deeply anchor into the biochemistry of the body and really unleashing these forces that exist within us that most of us are unaware of, as you know, to your point of awareness. And so you know, as we gather some level of awareness that things aren't working, this next stage of starting to create this metabolic flexibility actually allows us to, to think more clearly. Would you agree? Oh yeah, it's, it's, I agree. So important. You're, you're so right. And the better you get this metabolic flexibility, the more clear you're going to think less brain fog, better decisions, and you're going to be able to do what we talked about much more efficiently. So um, I, I, to your point, the metabolism, the human body, there's about 70 trillion cells inside of the body. But out of those trillion cells, we only choose pretty much two options for fuel. Either the cells are, are burning glucose, sugar, or burning fat using ketones. And I think it's important to switch back and forth between the two. But the problem is when you're stuck burning sugar, like I was when I was obese for most of my life, and like 88% of Americans are burning sugar, it's a very highly inflammatory state. It creates a lot of cellular toxins, cellular smoke. I always compare a cell that's stuck burning sugar to a truck that has all this smoke coming out of the exhaust pipe. The truck is not healthy for the surrounding environment. The cell burning glucose, not healthy for the cellular environment. So what we want to do is switch fuel sources and teach the cells to use fat and ketones, which I compare to a Tesla, going back to a Tesla comparison. So using a cleaner source of energy versus the truck. And that's how you could use keto to do so. But the goal is not to stay uh, in ketosis forever. It's going to go back and forth. But going back to what you said, when you're now metabolically flexible, it's going to really help with your mental capacity, mental health, even maybe possibly depression, because you're not getting that glucose insulin roller coaster ride. You're going to have stable levels of glucose. Your body's going to be burning fat. Ketones, specifically one of the three ketones, beta hydroxybutyrate, has the ability to cross the blood brain barrier and fuel the brain. Burning fat is our primal birthright. Babies that are breastfed are in and out of ketosis. Breast milk has saturated fat and cholesterol, and it helps the development of the baby's brain. Every single one of our ancestors, they were in ketosis. So we need to go back and use this powerful tool. And when we do so, Yes, it'll help you lose weight, but it helps you lose weight because it helps you get healthy. And that's how the body works. You get healthy to lose that weight. And you do that by reducing inflammation. So that's why one of the reasons why I love ketosis. Mm-hmm. I want to tie in um, the awareness piece that we were talking about and what you just said right now, because you were speaking to you know somebody that is overweight or obese. Um, that to that person is going to be a bit obvious, right? That they're not in ketosis, that they're burning sugar. What about somebody that maybe goes to the gym all the time, is fit from the outside? How would they know that they're not burning glucose or if they're burning ketones and where they sit in that metabolic flexibility? Yeah, it's a great question because you're right. Just, you know, you, somebody could be fit, but still metabolically inflexible. Um, easiest test is to skip a meal and see how you feel. Right? Yeah. <laughs> that person skips lunch or breakfast or that pre-workout meal and they feel hangry. They can't perform. They can't function. They're going hypoglycemic, big, big red flags right there. So you, you want to be able to be able to ad- adapt to that and, and be able to skip a meal and work out in the fasted state. So just because you're fit, just because you have six pack abs, doesn't really mean you're, you're necessarily healthy. A lot of people just store fat differently. You have different metabolism and genetics. 
So the goal is metabolic flexibility. And it's such a relief when you are metabolically flexible, as you two know, even more importantly, because I don't have kids, but let's say you're, uh, you have so many things going on with your family, with work, or you're traveling, you don't have to worry about what are we going to eat? What are the snacks? I mean, and you're not going to be able to, people who are metabolically inflexible can't function without those snacks. But you two and myself, we're metabolically flexible. We could just let our body burn fat and the ketones are coming and we actually feel pretty good. And, and that's the ultimate goal. We want that for both somebody who's overweight and somebody who's lean. That's the combination or that's the ultimate goal. There is the metabolic freedom. Mm-hmm. It's funny that you brought that up because when we first started on this path, that was the one thing that Nick said to me is like, thank you for not worrying about snacks anymore. Mm-hmm. So we would go on vacation. My whole day would be wrapped around. Okay. When are we going to eat? Where are we going to eat? What are the kids going to eat? Oh, we're going to the beach. You got to pack these snacks. And that all of that stress just went away. And now we're teaching our kids. To You're welcome. Eat. Yeah. <laughs> so thank you. <laughs> yeah. it, it's an unspoken about benefit. It's such a relief. That's right. Yeah. 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 And, and that's definitely, you know, that's feedback from people that are learning this process too, is, is just, you know, this, you know, one small piece of freedom in their days to not just constantly think about when the next meal is. And what mm-hmm. if I don't miss that 12 o'clock window when, when it's time to eat, you know? So uh, speaking of freedom, it happens on a daily basis. I mean, it's, it's an opportunity to really shift your lifestyle so that you can gain more out of your day. And, you know, maybe, maybe it's productivity, maybe it's time with family, maybe it's something else, but all really obviously crucial points. Now, one of the things I love about you, Ben, is that you're, you're always experimenting. You're always trying something new. And so, you know, one of those things that I was watching you is, is eating this, like this burger that was maybe this big, and you started to experiment with carnivore diet. And I'd love to, you know, hear some of your experience on that, because I know some people just thrive in that state. However, it is this, you know, potentially if you stay on, it's this long drawn out ketosis state. So is that healthy? Like when, when would you apply it? And what did you experience for yourself? Yeah. I remember that photo that you're referring to that, that waiter was (laughs) like, you want to order what? (laughs) Yeah. I was the first time somebody's ever ordered something like that. Um, that was my first experiment with carnivore. I did 40 straight days, uh, and I, the reason I personally did it is because I heard so many uh, practitioners talk about it, anecdotal evidence, so many stories about what it did to transform autoimmune disease and gut health. And people felt so good. You have Sean Baker, Dr. Paul Saladino, and all these uh, Jordan Peterson, Michaela Peterson. So I thought, all right, it sounds pretty interesting and I'm going to give it a shot. So the first time I did it, I did a whole bunch of lab work on day one and then did 40 strict days of carnivore. And I wanted to see how I felt like, and then also see what the lab work looked like on day 40 felt really good. You know, the first time I did it, uh, my skin improved. Uh, I, I, I didn't barely had any gas, any bloating. I might get that sometimes when I'm not carnivore and I lost some body fat. Uh, I felt mentally clear my autoimmune. I have Raynaud's uh, autoimmune uh, disease. And, um, I used to get a lot of flare-ups and I only had two flare-ups during those 40 days. So it really downregulated that that, that's that gene, it, uh, the dimmer switch went down on that gene. And uh, I also felt good overall. And then I did the lab work and lab work was completely transformational. My C-reactive protein dropped, homocysteine dropped, my A1C dropped a point, everything improved in my lab work. And uh, I thought, okay, this is a cool tool. So I decided to actually write a chapter about it in the book. Mm-hmm. And now it's one of my, my four pillars. And I go back to it. I do 30 days of carnivore two to three times a year. As a matter of fact, for the month of August, I'm doing carnivore. I'm about to finish up the whole month of uh, August doing carnivore because I knew I was going to speak in Orlando, which I did two days ago, and I wanted to feel on top of my game. So that's why I do it. Uh, somebody who would benefit from it, to answer your question, is somebody who has a lot of gut issues, leaky gut, which most people do, autoimmune disease. It's a way to remove these anti-nutrients, phytates, lectins, oxalates for a short period of time as you do things to heal the gut, and then you start to reintroduce those plants back in and see how your body responds. So that's the right way to do carnivore. I don't think carnivore should be just like keto, something you do long-term. It's a great reset for the gut, a great way to change things up, force adaptation. And now the body has to adapt via hormesis and great things happen. So that's the way that I like to use it and teach it. Mm-hmm. Have you noticed a particular season that's good? And have you come across any studies with men versus women just because of our cycle and how we need to kind of fluctuate with those carbs and being in ketosis? Um, is there anything that maybe you came across during your experiment? 
Yeah. So it's a great question. I think the best time to do it is not the summer, like I'm doing it right now. Cause that's of course, when you have a lot of fruit available, mm-hmm. I decided to do it just cause I was speaking, but I think the best time to do it would be during the winter months, just cause it makes sense. Uh, I haven't seen any studies on that. Just that's what I think. And then I haven't seen any studies on carnivore men versus carnivore women, but I can tell you anecdotal evidence from my students that men will do much better on carnivore versus uh, women. And if you're a woman with a monthly cycle, as, as Sony teaches so brilliantly, you might want to do a little bit of some variations to carnivore where that week leading up to your period, and maybe you switch it up to paleo and then go back to carnivore. I think that, I think you would agree that would be a better approach. So women probably need to be a little bit more strategic about it. And men could be a little bit more aggressive is what I've seen. Mm, I love it. Mm-hmm. You kind of, you mentioned this in just that long-term state of ketosis. Where do you see the issue? And Maybe the other question or the second part of that be uh, how long, what's the longest time you've been in it? And, and did you notice anything negative about being in it for too long? Yeah. When I first did keto in uh, 2014, that's when I used to own my CrossFit gym and I felt really good in the beginning. I think I did it for probably maybe a year and a half straight Uh, and probably eight months into it. I started to bunk a lot during my workouts. I started to lose a lot of electrolytes. I wasn't strategic about it. So it started to kind of, my benefits started to go away around the eight months. Then I just stuck with it. Uh, in general for somebody doing keto, I think, I think it's important because there's a difference between getting fat adapted, which is that Tesla versus the truck analogy. That's great. That'll take you seven to 14 days to get fat adapted, but then you're not keto adapted. That takes a little bit longer. Now, keto adaptation means now your cells and the mitochondria prefer to use ketones. So now your brain just turns on and that's when you really get the benefits of ketosis. Keto adaptation takes a little bit longer, eight to 12 weeks. So I like for most people when they first do keto to be strict for the first 60 to 90 days and then start doing what I call the keto flexing approach. Now, if somebody has insulin resistance, type two diabetes, and they have a lot of excess weight, they might need to stay in it a little bit longer than somebody who doesn't. Uh, And I kind of share that in the book, but 60 to 90 days is a good sweet spot before you start flexing. And then there's different flexing protocols that I talk about in the book. Can you break that down a little bit more for people, like the the difference between fat adaptation and keto adaptation, just because it's, I think it's, it's really important distinction. So. Yeah. So you could get fat adapted by either dropping your carbohydrates low and increasing your fat or just doing an excessive exercise and, and intermittent fasting. Like that means you're just burning fat instead of sugar, right? You are burning through your glycogen stores, which is your sugar reserves. And that's really quickly to do. You can do that in a few days to a couple of weeks, fat adaptation. That is the analogy of the Tesla, the cells burning fat versus sugar and the truck. Um, that doesn't mean your cells are now primed to use ketones. The mitochondria are now primed to use ketones. That takes eight to 12 weeks, according to the research of strict ketosis. And at that point is when you get a lot of those brain boosting benefits and the, a lot of the benefits that people speak about with ketosis, anti-inflammatory benefits. It's like your brain just really turns on. Now the mitochondria are really using those ketones as the primary fuel source, but it takes those eight to 12 weeks of strict ketosis to get into that state for most people. Mm -hmm. Is it the same if you're implementing fasting with being in ketosis, would it still take eight to 12 weeks or do you find that it would be less time? Yeah, that's a good question. I would estimate, I don't know of any study on this, but I would hypothesize that it would be less time, right? Would you agree? It would make sense that if you're really fasting and burning down the excess blood sugars, I think it would be much faster. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and I love that you're, you're highlighting this for people because so many people give up, you know, they, they try something out and, you know, maybe they try it out for a couple of weeks, maybe they're not implementing the fasting component and they're finding it a challenge or they're getting, you know, uh, flack from maybe their family or something, and then they kind of give up on it. And, and really what we're asking the body to do through these hormetic stressors is it's a literally changed expression of, of how your genes are operating in the body and what kind of proteins are being manufactured and how the, you know, you, you're, you're actually asking your body to completely change the behavior. And so it, it takes time to your point. And wouldn't you agree that, you know, even the first time you did it, maybe the reason you went electrolyte drop is just because you didn't have the full, you know, a uh, suitcase of awareness that, that you have now. And, and maybe, maybe you could sustain it a little bit longer or what have you, but I, you know, I think that people do need to give them that opportunity of time. 
Yeah, it's well said. Exactly. If I went to, if I started keto knowing what I know now, I would 10 X my results. And, and that's yeah. the goal Like conversations like this, the people who are new to keto to get this information and you're going to be ahead of the curve. It's going to take, you're going to take decades of learning and condense that into days and really be ahead of the game. That's why I love your work and your podcast and your YouTube channel and the things that you're doing. Cause it, it's, it really shortens that learn learning curve for the, for the audience and uh, it's conversations like this that really make a big difference. Yeah. That's, that's definitely our hope, you know, with, with people really, you know, getting out of the mindset of I've tried everything. It doesn't work. And, <laughs> you know, we gotta, we gotta erase that from our, our dialogue because really this is, you know, it's, it's a test of resilience and devotion to your body and asking more questions and becoming more thorough with, with our discovery process. One of the things that you brought up in the book, I want to show it again, just, and it's behind you, I know, but uh, it's something that you brilliantly speak on so regularly. That's so, I think so missing in so many people's diet is just talk. Let's talk about bad fats because, you know, these things are part of that obstacle. I think that people are, are missing maybe in this keto adaptation process, but we're, we're inundated with toxic fats. So if you can give our listeners just a bit of a teaching on that and, and just the lingering effect of some of these toxic fats in the body too. So important, as you know, uh, when a lot, a lot of people who post, studies on oh keto showed that it raised your heart disease risk or keto did xyz that was negative when you look at the studies i mean they're always using these bad adulterated unstable fats and of course those fats that are unstable the vegetable oils and i'll name them all they're worse than sugar they create more inflammation than sugar because at least your body can burn down excess sugar from exercise and movement you can't burn off these unstable fats these polyunsaturated fatty acids PUFAs and trans fats. Now the, the mechanism to why they're so bad, if you want the science, the science behind it, the biochemical uh, uniqueness behind it is that they have double bonds that are closely uh, to each other, double bonds that are too close to each other, which is attracting a lot of oxygen. Oxygen is very inflammatory. Dr. Kate Shanahan, who wrote uh, Deep Nutrition, Fat Burn Fix. She was the nutritionist for the Los Angeles Lakers when Kobe Bryant was there. You should get her on your show, by the way. She's amazing. Mm -hmm. I think you guys mm -hmm. would get along. Um, she said that it attracts oxygen up to 9 billion times more because of these double bonds that are so close to each other, which makes them very unstable, meaning your cells cannot use them as an energy source. There are so many studies that show it increases your risk for diabetes, heart disease, cancers, stroke, uh, the mitochondria essentially cannot use them as an energy source. So think of PUFAs as cell death. And of course, Brian Peskin talks about this, uh, MIT researcher. So does Kate Shanahan. When I interviewed Brian Peskin and Kate Shanahan, I asked them both the same question. First, I asked Brian Peskin. I said, Brian, what's worse, smoking cigarettes every day or eating these cooked vegetable oils every single day? And he said, well, let's look at the research. He said, if somebody smoked two packs of cigarettes every single day, for 28 years, the chances of them develop, developing lung cancer within those 28 years is about 16%, one six. Then he said the chances of somebody developing cancer and or heart disease with cooked vegetable oils every single day was about 86%. Wow. That is nuts. I told Dr. K. Shanahan those stats and I said, do your stats align with Peskin's? And she says, actually, Ben, it's closer to 100% disease with these vegetable oils. She was on the, on the Bill Maher show a year ago talking about coronavirus and why this is such an epidemic and it's because of poor metabolic health. And she said the number one contributing factor to poor metabolic health and COVID deaths is vegetable oils. She said, I, I, I challenge anybody to prove me wrong. Show me somebody who has avoided these vegetable oils for five years and I will show you zero COVID deaths, she said, hmm. on the Bill Maher show. That's a big, big statement. So they're inflammatory. They are, um, they're called the hateful eight by Dr. Kate Shanahan, canola, cottonseed, corn oil, uh, soybean oil, sunflower oil, safflower oil, rice bran oil, and grapeseed oil. Those are inflammatory. Um, peanut oil is kind of in the middle there. Peanut oil, if it's unrefined, could be much better than refined, but even refined is not as bad as the other ones. So that's what we want to avoid. We want more saturated fats, which are single bonds attracting less oxygen, avocado oil, olive oil, butter, Sonia, ghee, right? You see, I know that's part of your <laughs> <Ghee>. <laughs> Um, 
duck fat, lard, like these are stable fats that actually the cells could use it as an energy source and it reduces inflammation and it helps you burn fat. Yeah. I mean, we, we keep hearing contradiction in this world. You know, there's, there's, you know, educational leaders in this space that, that, that sort of blanket omega-6 fatty acids as being the devil. Um, one of the ones you did bring up that, that I'm always sort of back and forth on is that sunflower oil, uh, because it is a part of, you know, the pure form. It's, it's one of those, uh, you can really get it wrong if you've got a, a, an adulterated oxidized, you know, GMO version of this, but, you know, can, can you speak to that a little bit? Because, you know, even when we talked to, to Brian Peskin, it was kind of like, well, you know, some of these are fine, you know, in a small proportion, uh, but again, they have to be the right form. And not yeah. Cooked. And not cooked. Yeah. No. Yeah. You said it. Uh, I, I'm glad you brought that up because I usually mention it. Safflower and sunflower, if they're organic cold press could be totally fine for us. It's when they're not, when they're adulterated is the issue. And most of the time it's not organic. It's not cold pressed, except for pure form. I love pure form and a few, you know, products out there. So it has to depend, but the other ones, canola, corn, uh, the other ones I mentioned, those are bad either way. <laughs> yeah. I don't even know if you can find those organic. Probably not. <laughs> I, mean, uh, I mean, who knows? There's probably a company out there putting that right. label on somehow. Yeah. And, yeah. and they're not happy right now. Right. Uh, <laughs> right. On that, on that subject, I mean, what you're sharing is so important and what Kate Shanahan is sharing is, you know, I, I'm blown away by that. And I think that's absolutely true. I mean, when we talked to Dr. Jeff Matheson about the pure form, he's, he's literally, literally was saying that these omega-6 fatty acids that, that are part of his formula are the mechanism for delivering oxygen. And obviously in these very, you know, serious, you know, inflammatory coagulopathic kind of illnesses that we're seeing with this particular virus, they're, they're oxygen deprived. I mean, their O2 saturations are like bottomed out and it wouldn't, it would not be a surprise whatsoever, especially when we're seeing the, the risk factor groups of these people who either have obesity or the heart disease they already have, they already have a, a state of these chronic inflammatory oxidized fats, no doubt. I mean, there's, a, there's, there'd be no question. And uh, to think that, you know, these little molecules are necessary for that energy and that uh, structure, but also for that oxygen delivery. I mean, we just can't say enough about them. Yeah, you nailed it because the vegetable oils create that rigid membrane and then it shuts down the oxygen delivery and good stuff can't get in, bad stuff can't get out. Uh, so you combine that with high glucose levels and poor sleep and stress. I mean, oh my gosh, it's just a recipe for, for disaster. So by removing the vegetable oils and optimizing your glucose and focusing on rest and sleep and, and mindfulness, et cetera, we could overcome this. I mean, the human body is incredible. Yeah. We have the innate intelligence. We just need to do our part. Yeah. So, yeah. so on this topic, I know we'll, we'll put a bookend in this in a sec, but it's just so important. Um, what's the timeline? Like how long does it take to get rid of these fats out of the body? And how do we know that? Yeah. I don't know how we know, unless we go into a lab and test our, <laughs> our cells and membranes, cause they make up our body fat. Dr. Kate Shanahan said the, the average American, about 30 to 40% of our total calories come from PUFAs. I would estimate it's even higher for those doing keto because a lot of people doing keto don't understand clean keto versus dirty keto. Um, when I asked Peskin the question, he said, well, the faster you could remove them and incorporate the healthy fats, the, the faster they'll get out of your body. But um, the study that I read, it was not vegetable oil, it was fish oil, which is also unstable and not good showed four and a half months to get rid of the high amounts of EPA and DHA. So I think it was 132 days, the Iowa study. So I would estimate that it's somewhere around there for the vegetable oils as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's probably dependent on so many different factors, the genetic factors, the lifestyle factors, all the other things that you were bringing up. And I wanted to bring awareness and focus to a word that you use before when you're describing um, the fats is that rigidity piece. Because, you know, we're talking about metabolic flexibility and I don't think people really understand what's happening within the body when it becomes rigid. I mean, it's the same thing, you know, when I'm educating menopausal women about hormones is that estrogen is the thing that allows flexibility in the arteries. So when they become rigid, they're more prone to damage. And that's why cholesterol is going up. And that's why all these symptoms start to show up when there's so much rigidity, because now there's rigidity in the body, in the mind, and all of that. So I just wanted to kind of bring like, just focus on that. Like, hopefully everyone listening is mm -hmm. understanding why we talk about metabolic flexibility, because it's in the rigidity that there's more opportunity for damage in the body. 
Yeah. Mm, well said. And all those areas, not just the metabolism, but like our thinking and just being able to mm-hmm. be flexible is, is where it's at. So I love that. And that's very interesting about the estrogen. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, speaking about hormones, cause I love them, as you know, um, yes. I'm curious when you did these experiments on yourself, especially with the carnivore, did you see changes in your hormone health or your hormone markers? Like where do you see the most benefit? Is it just in ketosis or the carnivore or, or the flexibility in all of it in the combination? Well, the biggest thing that worked for me, or I shouldn't say that that worked for me. So I, I've done keto and fasting since 2014. But even with that and in doing CrossFit, it got me to a certain point and I was still feeling brain fog. I was still having digestive issues. I was still having to take naps in the afternoon, energy issues, soreness from workouts. The biggest breakthrough for me was two things, finding out I had mold in my house and getting out of my house. Mm -hmm. So I had mold uh, damage, toxicity, and then removing the eight silver fillings from my mouth and doing detox, the detox that you teach. Those have been the biggest things that moved the needle for me. Keto and fasting only got me so far. I was taking all these supplements, didn't feel anything. But when I got upstream and got out of the mold and removed the fillings and the detox, those were the two biggest things that just transformed all of my hormones, my energy, my, those markers. And now I feel every year I'm feeling much, much better. Yeah. Yeah. And you, you can't hit that point home mm-hmm. hard enough. I mean, you know, bringing it back to awareness, you know, that we started this conversation and, and so many people are, are unfortunately in a state of fear right now of like what's to come, this looming, you know, potential, you know, dis-ease process or just, you know, the fear of death in general. And when we don't take the opportunity to look upstream and find out what our underlying processes are that are, that are you know, debilitating our, our health or, or making us feel like we don't have control. Um, you know, these are, these are the, the places we need to go collectively, individually to really discover what true health means and what that health freedom looks like. Otherwise, you know, we're going to try all the supplements. We're going to do everything that we're quote unquote supposed to do. And we're getting into the dialogue of oh, I've tried everything, but really we haven't truly investigated that upstream process. So, I mean, you brought up our mentor uh, that we share, uh, Dr. Dan Papa, yeah. uh, obviously he, we've learned from him so much, uh, including all the different mentors that we've worked with, but I think really when you truly take that opportunity to go upstream and find out what your, you know, obstacles to healing are, uh, that's the only true way forward, you know? And so I like to think of, you know, whether it's ketosis or, you know, throwing in a vegan diet here and there, it doesn't really matter. The whole point though, is that our, it can be a platform or baseline to start to really investigate further. So at what point do you think, um, you know, are people ready to sort of, or, or do people need to go upstream first or, or can they start to work with uh, the, your keto flex formula first or you know, where, where can someone start? Well, I mean, they could start downstream. I mean, just, I, I believe small tweaks lead to giant peaks yeah. and a lot of people who <laughs> she got the best sayings, man. I love it. <laughs> so There's so many, so many little gems in here. <laughs> I I think people who, who end up quitting are the people who bite too much off of uh, what they can actually chew. The most important thing is to find a, a, a health coach, a mentor, a doctor like you two. I didn't, I wasn't aware of my silver fillings causing damage to me. And, and maybe I had a mold in my house until I got mentorship from Dr. Pompa and joined the plat- health centers for the future platinum. I wasn't aware of it. So you, having a coach helps see your blind spots and that coach could be a doctor, health coach, et cetera. So having awareness and then just taking those small steps forward. I think it's important to start with your thoughts, inner size before you exercise. So start thinking better thoughts, gratitude, self-love, et cetera. And then you start working on your metabolism. And as you work on your metabolism, you're going to think better thoughts. So it goes hand in hand, but it doesn't have to be just a cold Turkey approach. Actually, I'm not a fan of that. If you're eating 300 grams of carbs every day, like the average American, you should not do keto tomorrow. There should be a slow, gradual approach. Like I teach it of carbohydrates and then increasing your healthy fat and making that transition very smoothly in about seven to 14 days. And then you just stack that win into another win and then build from there and then add fasting. And then you could eventually start going upstream like detox. And as you both would agree, when the body's in a ketosis state and fasting, it will detox much, much better. Uh, and even with detox, you don't start detox upstream. You start detox downstream. How could you detox if you don't have your downstream detox pathways open. So it's a whole learning process, but the goal is to just get that small key, that small key unlocks big doors. Um, and, uh, one thing I hear a lot, Nick and Sonia is people say, Oh, I did keto and I failed. Oh, I did vegan and I failed, or I did fasting and I failed. 
I, I really don't like when somebody considers themselves a failure because first of all, failure is not a person, it's an event. And I truly believe that if you could learn from that perceived failure, then it becomes wisdom. And then the failure doesn't even exist. My definition of success, I adopted from Earl Nightingale. He said, success is the progressive realization of a worthy ideal. An ideal is an idea, a goal that you have fallen in love with. And you're successful, I believe, as long as you continue to close that gap. So if you're healthier today than you were last month, even though you're not on chapter 12, but you're still healthier, you're a success. As long as you continue to work towards that goal, you're a success. It might take years, it might take decades, but as long as you close the gap, you are successful. It's only when you quit that you then then are now perceiving a failure, but it's the event, not yourself. Mm. There's so much wisdom in what you just shared there, man. I'm still stuck on the inner sides before exercise. (laughs) Mind. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, that's so true. And, and obviously you, you love to start there too. Yeah. Uh, I mean, when I was, I when I was going through your book, Ben, I mean, there's you, you lay it out in that kind of way. I mean, you know, this really is a, is a tool. It's a roadmap to help people move through those stages of where they're stuck and starting to look and expand. And, and one of the, one of the components in here, I think that's really important and maybe not talked about enough is, is this, this eating disorder phenomenon. So, you know, we get into a, uh, uh, our habits and, and, and often we're, you know, we're dealing with addiction and other things, but there's a concern for people that have food addiction and are, are challenged in, in making these dietary changes or, or feeling this state of starvation versus uh, therapeutic fast. And I can't remember exactly the name of that chapter, but um, you brought up some really good points there. And so I'd love for you to just educate the people on, on, you know, I mean, food addiction is huge. So yeah. how, how would you communicate that to people? Yeah, it's huge. I used to be, um, I used to have a food addiction, a sugar addiction. I never had an eating disorder per se, like uh, bulimia or anorexia, but I did have a food addiction for many, many years. The, w- the way that I view addiction uh, might be a little bit different than, than other people. The way that I view it is that there's a lot of energy in addiction. And what I did I, as I just, I transferred the energy into something positive, right? So I used to put a lot of energy into food, right? going to the refrigerator, video games, drugs, alcohol. And then I got really clear on my why, my purpose. So I transferred that energy to go live on purpose with my purpose, but it was a lot of energy that I could just transfer. So as long as I keep having my goal in front of me, uh, I'm using that energy for good. That's the way I see addiction, at least for myself. That's how I was able to overcome it. Now with eating disorders, uh, definitely it's important to work with a professional uh, as you both would say, and I would say you shouldn't practice fasting if you have a history of an eating disorder, but I've never seen fasting cause an eating disorder. So that's where a lot of people get it wrong. They tell, they're telling us that we're, you know, forcing starvation. No, starvation is when you um, have no choice. Fasting is when you've made the choice to just abstain from food for a short period of time to let your body heal. But if you have a history of a food addiction, or excuse me, of eating disorder, work with somebody. The cool thing about the food addiction part is when you become fat adapted and you become more metabolically flexibility, I've seen most people overcome that food addiction, sugar addiction within 28 days. Now, some Mm -hmm. severe cases, you might need to add some things like L-glutamine and uh, even like kava and some other resources there. Uh, But for most people, they could overcome that by shifting their metabolism to be more flexible. Protein is very important because protein is satiating uh, activates cholecystokinin, peptide YY, leptin. So it really helps you feel full. So I would prioritize protein for somebody who's just struggling with uh, food addiction with keto. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. And it goes back to what we were talking about in the beginning, the awareness of what is my relationship with food? What is the behind, uh, the why behind that relationship and how can I shift that? And it really empowers individuals knowing that no longer is this substance controlling my actions and my mind and everything, my life. But now I have a choice because, you know, that differentiation between what starvation is or deprivation. Many people will feel like, you know, um, mm-hmm. my kids are being deprived if they're not getting sugar or, my, or I'm getting deprived if I'm not eating every couple of hours. But if we change that relationship and understanding of actually I'm nourishing myself by creating these boundaries and taking back ownership and control and responsibility over that relationship, is it changes everything, not just with food, our relationship to ourselves. Yeah. And, and you anchored in something really important too, Ben, when you talked about your finding your why, 
You know, I, th I think that that seems so foreign for people. Um, I, and I don't know why, you know, I mean, I think that there's uh, this illusion that, you know, disease is something that we're going to catch, you know, it's like a, it's like a cold or a flu. And, and so I, I, often I think that we don't really know where to put that attention when we're anchoring to a why. So like, let's say someone, <clears throat> excuse me, is stuck in that, in that paradigm. Like, how do you help them to activate that why within? Mm. That's an important question. I think it's like the fundamentals of uh, achieving health is to get clear on that why. Uh, I believe when your why is strong, the how becomes easier. So your environment is going to be very important. You become your environment. Uh, you put five, you put, uh, excuse me, 20 crabs in a, in a bucket and leave those crabs there overnight without a lid. Come back the next morning, all 20 crabs will still be there. And you might be thinking, why didn't they just try to escape? Well, they, they did, but the other crabs would see it and drag it back down. So we have crabs in our life. There's a great video. You might, if you might want to link it in the uh, podcast notes on YouTube, it's a 60 second video. They did an experiment, which showed the power of your environment. They took these fleas, hundreds of fleas, put them in a jar, closed the jar, left the, the, the jar there, I think for a couple of days, pulled out the jar. They were free, but they were still flying in that same pattern. They had kids, their kids flew in the same pattern. None of them escaped. They were conditioned to believe that they were stuck there. Our environment is so powerful. It really molds us. It's more important than heredity. It's our environment. So do an audit. I would say do an audit on the right side of the paper, grab a piece of paper on the right side, write down chargers on the left side, write down drainers, and then put a list of everybody in your life who's supporting you, Who's, who's charging you up and how you know is that you feel inspired after you speak to them. Like after I speak to you, I feel uh, charged up. So your chargers in my life. And then on the left side, write down people who are gossiping, who are living in fear, who are draining you. You feel exhausted after speaking to them. And then after you do that audit, spend more time with the chargers, less time with the drainers. And that'll help you become clear-minded so you can start figuring out what is your true purpose. Might take you months or years to figure that out, but at least you're going to have a foot in the right direction without people dragging you down to that bucket. A book that changed my life was The Values Factor by Dr. John D. Martini. Mm -hmm. He has amazing exercises in there to determine your highest value. So I would recommend that book as well. <laughs> I love it. That metaphor with the crabs, mm -hmm. holy cow, and, and the and fleas. The fleas. I mean, yeah. that's that's such a metaphor for the times mm -hmm. we're in right now, isn't it? Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah. Yeah, it's almost uh, more comfortable to stay in what's familiar and we feel safe in what's familiar. And often, even when we have that like moment of like elevation, we don't want to seem different. So it yeah. goes always goes back to our greatest fears and our needs. And if, if that need is to belong, then that really challenges that need. So I think like all of this is interesting. You know, you talk about metabolic flexibility. We talk about ketosis and food, but really it always goes back to this conversation mm -hmm. of like how we perceive ourselves and what we want for ourselves at the end of the day. Yeah. Mm. No. Yeah. Fundamental. Mind blowing. Mind blasting. Mind blasting. Yeah. <laughs> so I've got a question for you, unless you have some more questions well, before we. Yeah. Well, you, you can ask your question, then we'll, then we, we can ask. Uh, uh, well, let's save your question, actually. Okay. It's, it's an important question. <laughs> uh, I want to ask you, Ben, um, what, where do you see yourself going? Like in this, in this, you know, expansive mindset that you have, you know, what's, what's your, what's your hope? What's your ideal? What's your goal for yourself? What do you want to do? Uh, I want to do everything I'm doing right now, but just on a bigger level. I love what I'm doing. I just want to reach more people. So more books, more speaking gigs, more downloads in the podcast. The significance is not the number, but the people that are re getting this information. So I want to do everything I'm doing now because I love it just on a, like a 10x level, just a bigger level. That's what I want to do. Mm -hmm. And for those listening, like all of that comes from his heart. Yeah. Like he really is, you know, there's some people in our legs. lives. Yeah. Heart with legs and arms. Like he's just, <laughs> and he's just so supportive of everybody else on the mission too. Yeah. And you just know that it comes from this really beautiful, genuine place. So thank, thank you. you for what you do. No, yeah, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. So for my question, um, you know, we, we talked about flexibility and resilience and all that we do to help support this physical body because it's our vehicle in which we can experience life. And sometimes there are things that are out of control and kind of remind us of the fragility of this life too. And for yourself, if you knew that that was to come to an end tomorrow, what is the mark that you want to leave on this world today? It's mm, a really good question. Um, 
I would love every person to understand how amazing their body is and how it's built to heal. And we shouldn't live in fear. Fear is the destroyer of the innate intelligence. Um, so I want everybody to understand that the body could heal as long as we do our part. It could overcome so many obstacles, whether it's mental obstacles, physical obstacles, relationship obstacles. It's just the body is capable of healing. So I would love to teach that to the world and empower the world to help them understand how incredible their body is. And it all starts, though, with one thought. And that one thought could lead to a second thought and a third thought. But everything starts with those thoughts. And if you could see it in your mind, you will hold it in your hand, like Bob Proctor said. So that's would be my message to the world. Mm-hmm. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful words from a beautiful man, mm-hmm. Ben. You're always, uh, you're always so engaged in in the the experience that you're sharing, and and I love the little wordisms and the little phrases and the the, the ways to capture people. You know, I think in the in the stupor that many people find themselves in, it's just sort of like quick little wake up to realize that we're so much more than we've given ourselves credit for. So, um, hopefully, if you're you know tuning into this, you're not going to be a crab in the bucket. And you see someone trying to shine and rise up you know, help them, push them up, you know, push mm-hmm. them up out of that bucket. And, you know, hopefully the, the people that are in your charging group are going to do the same for you. So, I um, mean, so many messages, buddy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we just love, love you to pieces. Yeah. I love you right back. Yeah. Okay. So everybody, you know, tune in um, to Ben Azadi. You can find him uh, or find his book, Keto Flex. Uh, make sure you check out his podcast. And uh, yeah, I think it's a real Benazadi, or maybe if you can share just all the handles, uh, social media handles that you use so people can keep uh, riding on the, the train, the Benazadi Keto Camp train. <laughs> yeah. Um, so the book could be found at ketoflexbook.com. And then I'm on social media, Instagram, uh, at the Benazadi, TikTok, uh, YouTube, Keto Camp, Camp with the K, and then the Keto Camp podcast with you. You both were, were guests on there and you blessed my podcast with your presence. So the Keto Camp podcast, Camp with the K, and uh, Got to say, I just love you too. I'm so grateful to be on this mission with you. It's a very important mission that got even more important in the last 18 months. And together we rise and we have an important mission with a lot of resistance, but I know that good and God will overcome. So thank you for working with me and having me on your show. And I just love what you two are doing. So much love to both of you. Thank you. You Awesome. Thank you. Look forward to a time we get to to connect in person again. Can't wait. Yeah. Love you, bro. Love you too. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Health Ignited podcast. Be sure to download, subscribe, and share as we build this conscious community together. You can also find us on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, and our website, drsjensen.com. Please note all information on this podcast is not and should not be taken as medical advice. Please see a healthcare professional to receive the care needed. Thank you for sharing this time with us, igniting your health freedom. And welcome to the tribe. 